Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Right, Reds, Tony Evans here, but walk on, yeah, Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Well, it's Wembley week, and Liverpool are gearing up for Sunday's League Cup final against Chelsea. Unfortunately, the injuries are beginning to mount. Well, we'll look back on the victory at Brentford by the walking wounded, talk about Luton's visit to Anfield on Wednesday, and plenty more. And here to do that, we've got Kiva O'Neill and Andy Jones. As usual, let's start with those three words. Kiva, someone who's always beautifully prepared, unlike some of the other slackers we have on this podcast. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Darwin the Composed. No, yeah, yeah, I can go with that, Andy. Simply, I hate injuries. Yes, yes. It, um, <laughs> I, do you know what? I was nervous there when you said I hate. I was thinking, what trouble can we get into here? You know, it's... Um, <laughs> Because if I, when I say those two words, I hate, we, we know we're going down a uh, uh, social media storm. Social. Anyway, let's see what they're saying over at the Walk on Podcast Facebook group. Tom Cullimore says, Darwin, you beauty. John Selzen, running on fumes. Bryant York, injuryless carousel. Tim Mignall, never limp alone. And what would I say? Squad strength crucial. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Well, Kiva, it was a victory, and a good victory at that at Brentford, but it was at a cost, wasn't it? Yeah, massive cost. I mean, to see Curtis Jones go down was troubling anyway, because he's been phenomenal this season. Probably the past 10 months, he's just been the player that you always imagined he would be and been able to sort of keep that form, which has been brilliant. So that was worrying. Then obviously Diogo Jota goes off as well, both before half time. Then just to add to that, it's Darwin Nunes has gone off as well at half time. Precautionary, we know, but just another injury adding to obviously Alisson, who's ruled out for that game and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold as well. Just seems like the list is adding up and it's like how much can Liverpool actually cope that in such a, a good position, maybe not commanding as they'd like in the league, but they're ahead the top of the table. You do worry about one or two more injuries and what that does for Liverpool's title hopes and the rest of it, you know, Right now, it's about Luton and then the League Cup, isn't it? So it's sort of like you can't think too far ahead, but it just it does feel like it's getting to that point where it's like, can they just keep getting away with this? Andy, is the squad deep enough? Uh, you know, I mean, should he put the kids out at Wembley? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, no, no, in all seriousness, there are people on social media who are suggesting that going, forget the cup, even though it's a final. I think, actually, they need help. I think I think that what what it has shown is that the squad is deep, and I think we've we've discussed this before, and that it feels like it's probably the deepest in terms of level of quality that the club's probably had in his time at Liverpool. 
Because you look at the injuries that Liverpool have got now. So you've got you've got Allison. So you starting goalkeeper. You starting right back in sense. You starting right centre mid and Sabozlay. And now you've got Jones, who was the starting left centre mid, and then Jota, who was in the form, which you would put him certainly in the front three, and and Nunes as well. If of course Nunes might not be bad as the other two, but still he's got to put him on that list. And I don't think many clubs, and even even at times you know under Klopp, having that level of injury to, to those players would have had a massive effect. But it shows that how deep Liverpool are and the depth that they've got. That you know they can have. It's okay because, you know, we've got Salah on the bench or we've got Gakpo on the bench or, you know, Wataro Endo, who's the typical squad player when they signed him, but is, is very much played him his way into likely starting against Chelsea in, in the final at the end of the week. Um, so I think you can see it that the, the deep in every position, the problem is, is that if they do keep Mountain, eventually you're going to run out of players, but every squad is because Liverpool go into the season with eight, eight central midfielders, two of them already injured in Thiago and, um, by Chetage. But then if you add on top of that Jones, Sabozlai, then you have only got four, but you did have eight. So it's hard. when you come to squad planning, it's hard to sort of legislate for the amount of injuries that Liverpool have had. And um, and obviously they would have hoped that Thiago, who did come back very, very briefly, for example, would have been able to play a bigger part. And I think overall Liverpool have, have shown the depth of the squad and, and the quality of it. The problem is, is that if your injury list just keeps on growing, eventually you, you just can't have enough players in, in the end. And that's when you do see and, and that's when t- players begin to play too many minutes and, and that's where it can all begin to sort of fall down a little bit. Yeah, you mentioned quality and that brings me to Nunes and his goal. Aguil doesn't get there and Darwin Nunez does and he's in here for Liverpool and that's a brilliant finish. I can't believe, Kiva, that there were people actually moaning about it, saying, oh, you know, that was um, that that was a low percentage effort. You know, uh, on other occasions, it mightn't have gone in. It went in! It went in! <laughs> it was magnificent, wasn't low it? Low percentage effort! The, the net bulged! <laughs> like, I don't understand questioning that goal. That goal for me was like, finally scored a goal one-on-one that he should have scored but like made it obviously we've seen him do that before but it just it was the first time that I was like he's gonna score this and he just like in the most effortless way just dinked the goalkeeper in a real confident way as well which I think just feels like real progress doesn't it for Darwin Nunes to score a goal of that caliber I think it's his best goal for Liverpool I know he scored that like unbelievable back heel was it against Real Madrid and he scored you know the two against Newcastle the one at Bournemouth in the Cup there's been other brilliant goals but that just felt like finally he's been one-on-one and he's just not worried about the goalkeeper he's not smashed it at the goalkeeper he's just done something to really show the progress that he has made um, in the past season and a half at Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I said this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think. Someone at the club said to me, you know, he shoots, but he doesn't finish. But that was a proper finish, wasn't it? It was a classic. And Andy, Salabach, and that was really uplifting, wasn't it, to see, you know, you, you just have to recognise how good he is. Yeah, it, it wasn't just to see him back, but it was how sharp he was. He looked so on it and so ready. And, you know, it wasn't a case of where, you know, a couple of, you know, in the last couple of weeks we've seen Robertson, Trent, you know, come back in and look a little bit rusty. But you see Salah and it's like he's never been away. It's like he just played 
He's played all of the eight games that he's missed because of AFCON and injury. And okay, he's been keeping rhythm to an extent playing in AFCON, but then got the injury. So he's been injured more than he's sort of been playing. So to, to see him come back in and, and, and as I say, look how, how sharp he was and just how focused and, and how determined he was. Um, little bit of rust with that early finish that he should have scored, but then, uh, then he clicks back into gear, gets the, that gets the crucial assist, which gets Liverpool the second goal, which you felt at that point was, was quite important before the game began to get deeper into it, and then you got a bit nervy, and then you know you pounces on on for the third goal, pounces on a loose ball, holds off Nathan Collins, and then you know puts it in the corner, and you couldn't have asked for much more from from a, you know a, a forward coming back in who we all know is brilliant, but just to be reminded of that brilliance as we go into the, the crucial months of the season was 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 perfect. It was a perfect way to come back. I think it's always like the adults back, isn't it? Doesn't always feel like all oh, the adults back on the pitch, and there's, there's players there that are definitely adults as well. It just feels like oh, like I think the Europa League that game, the group stage game, when he came on the pitch, and it was like oh, the dad's here to like pick up the kids from like you know the party or something. It just he brings that energy of like you know something's going to happen now, and I think that cost Liverpool not having that against Arsenal in particular. He looked like a player who'd been who'd been fed up watching other people score goals for a few months or for a month. And he was like, uh, and even the little conversations of, oh, oh, we're doing all right without Salah, aren't we? He'll have been like, nah, let me get back in here and remind everyone that I'm the main man here. And uh, just probably just watching other people score wound him up. So he was like, let me get back on the score sheet and uh, show them who's boss. I think we should do a special podcast. Salah's dad's energy, you know, his dad <laughs> dancing, his dad jokes, you know, it's, um, that'd be brilliant. But, uh, but. I think also, Andy, what really impressed me about the game at Brentford is we expect them, we expected them to physically challenge us everywhere and put us under pressure. Oh, you know, we're all a bit nervous, weren't we, after the Arsenal performance? But the centre earths did great. They never got overran. And the keeper, Keller, you know, everyone's, oh, Alisson's out. We're all, you know, we might as well, like, you know, we might as well join Everton in the relegation zone. <laughs> That was gratuitous, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, it's—he's been brilliant, hasn't he? Yeah, it was—it was really good to see Callagher perform. And obviously, we know how how good of a goalkeeper he is. But you know, there's been a few question marks about him earlier in the season when you know there was a couple of a couple of goals that went in or a couple of mistakes that were creeping in. But um, this was him back to his best and. Um, exactly what you you want when you, you, your main man in goal has, has gone out. But yeah, I think you're right. I, I think there, there was that first, sort of first 20 minutes where Brentford sort of were having a bit of joy and Liverpool just had to ride the wave. But as soon as they basically put the foot on the ball and went, well, we're not having this, then it was it was pretty much smooth sailing from there. And, and as you say, Keller, you know, he couldn't ask for much more from Keller. You know, he didn't have loads to do, but he made the saves he needed to make and he made a couple of excellent ones as well. I mean, He's really unlucky with Brentford's goal and that the, the save he makes just before Tony puts it in is, is superb. And then he makes one in, in added time as well, doesn't he? From, from point blank range, from, 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 I think another Tony header. So they, they were all the things that you wanted to see because the worst case would have been, you know, that first high ball coming into the box and he comes to try and get it and it goes under, it goes over his head or something like that. And there was none of that. He was just, as as he has been, because you know, while he hasn't got loads of games, he's he's got experience of big moments and you know, in big games. And and while this wasn't you know your biggest game, it, it felt quite important. You know, Liverpool hadn't won at Brentford um, in the two games they played. It was obviously one of the low points of last season in that January period. So there was a few. That's why I think there was nerves. And 
and he sort of, I think just from his, his body language, his calmness and everything he did, you know, helped set a tone like the two centre-halves did as well in that we weren't going to get bullied and, and in the end we were going to bully Brentford. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have your say and get involved by emailing walk-on at theathletic.com. Kiva, this weekend they added bonus of Manchester City dropping points. I mean, who saw that coming? I don't want to tempt fate, because obviously Chelsea around the corner. But I don't think Chelsea are very good at all, and I, w- I expected City to curve them open. I mean, didn't they have like 32 shots or something ridiculous? So yeah, they, they did, but they just, a lot of them were off target and it was just a bit of a weird performance from them. But I think it, it's sort of, you're either in the camp of Liverpool fans who watch City games for their own pain. I don't know. Or you just ignore them and hope that they drop points. We've all been here before. Like choose a side and just go with it. Um, I watched the game and thought, Surely City are going to win because all season, anytime City have been behind, it just, it's like second nature to me now to just predict they win 3 1, they win 2 1, they win 4 1, whatever it is. And they usually pull it off. Like, if I was a better woman, I'd be making money because City are just inevitable under Pep Guardiola. And that's why it feels like it's in Liverpool's hands more than it was prior to the weekend. But again, Liverpool still have to face City and a lot of other teams and you know that just that Guardiola grind is about to begin of like the f- the final months of the season when they just win, 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 win. And it's like, you know, you're not expecting them to always blow teams away like Arsenal are currently doing. But City can just get over the line with mad little 1-0 wins and then obviously, you know, they will blow teams away as well. So it's just maybe like the Champions League might sort of distract them a little bit you'd think but I think that's the only real hope isn't it for Liverpool in terms of City dropping more points because I just feel like that was such a rarity just doesn't it's not going to happen much is it from now to the end of the season or maybe it will and everything will be great well yeah well hopefully hopefully and of course you know they 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 don't really thrive in the Anfield's atmosphere so and uh, now that gives the in, there's two ways of looking at this, Nancy. Uh, we can afford to draw there, but you know, beat them, and suddenly you're you're really in the box seat. Definitely, and it it is nice that it feels like every time it was Liverpool City in the running, it was always at the Etihad, um, and the Anfield game had, had long gone. So it's nice in a way that you know they've got to come to to our gaff if you like, and and they've got to you know because they they at, at this point they've got to come and they'll have to win. Um, so that it puts it puts the pressure on them, whereas it's always felt like it's the pressure on us going into that that second Liverpool City game in these title races. So, yeah, in that sense, it's it's it, it is it's a better feeling to have. It does put a little bit more pressure on Liverpool to because they'll you know want to be performing in front of the home crowd, and there is that chance of building that gap. But 
you know, it's 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 nice to have the advantage. I think going into the fixture of, of just having home territory and and City have got to come and at, at this point in time anyway because we've still got games to go. Of course, and they could the picture could look very different by the time we get to that game. But still, you know, it's it's nice to be the ones in the driving seats, hopefully heading into that game and, and being the ones who you can dictate the outcome and be happy with two of them rather than you know a draw being a bit of a well we've not unfortunately we haven't gained anything. Yeah, staying with you there, Andy. You were at Turf Moor to see Arsenal win 5-0 against the training cones. Um, <laughs> do you think they're going to be good against teams that actually try? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the game was over on four minutes um, when when Erdegaard put the 1-0 up and it was very much a training ground exercise. I think Arsenal have taken a lot of confidence from that victory over Liverpool and you can sort of see that in the results. I don't think they'll continue to keep battering teams in the way the battering teams but I think <laughs> to be honest the way Burnley played I think most teams would have would have convincingly beat them at the weekend Burnley just sort of looked like they'd given up but then equally you watch Arsenal and, and the way they, you know the patterns of play and you know their, their intensity from minute one to minute 90 it, it didn't relent and that that was part of the problem for Burnley is they didn't get a break um, so it just broke their spirit more and more but, you know, you, you, the likes of Erdegaard and, and Saka look like they're coming into a, a purple patch of form. Hopefully that's too early and then they'll get out of it by the end of the season and, you know, a bit like last season um, and the way they fell away. But, yeah, they're, they're looking very, very good and looking like they're going to be right up there again, you know, until the last few games of the season. It still feels, to me, is there is, despite the Arsenal defeat, there's a relentlessness about Liverpool. The, the mental toughness, which I think will see them, you know, see them through hopefully to the end of the season, but gives them the advantage over Arsenal. Yeah, I think it's a different type of Liverpool in a title race than we've experienced before, um, certainly for me, because it just feels like they've got this extra edge that is there, but it's kind of like so low-key that they just sort of find a way to win with whoever's on the pitch. And it just feels like the young players that have chipped in, Conor Bradley, Jarrell Kwanzaa, whoever it's been has, you know, provided just kind of a calm or a direction or something that's been positive for Liverpool. And I feel like I haven't necessarily come away from Liverpool games or watching them this season and gone, wow, they are like the best team in the league. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because when they do impress you and make you feel that way, you definitely know that you feel that way. But a lot of the time I'm just like, job done, job done, job done. And it just feels that way that they've like almost taken on this extra energy that they maybe never had before and maybe lacked in those close title races with Man City that, there isn't this sort of jeopardy around them that perhaps existed massively last season, but has not really been uh, a thing this season. Whether that becomes a thing, you know, I hope not. We hope not. But it feels like something that stands out to me about this Liverpool team. And maybe it is because it's, you know, fresher, younger, has, you know, newer players to it and is, you know, the last dance for Jurgen Klopp. I don't know, but it just, it feels a lot different than it has before. You know, funnily enough, if it wasn't for the speculation about the new, the next manager, then part of me would have forgotten that Jürgen's going. In the, you know the way they've been playing. It's, um, I, I, you know, it's. I, I was expecting it to be a big cloud on the horizon, but it hasn't really been. Talking of the next manager, joining us now for a new weekly Shabby Alonso section of the pod. 
Let's welcome the Athletics La Liga writer, Dermot Corrigan. He's coming, isn't he, Dermot? You know, he's signed a contract. He's on his way. He's booked the flights. He's looking for a house in the tower block in Kirby. He's coming. <laughs> Just tell us he's coming. Hey, Tony. How's it going, everybody? Um, yeah, not able to, to break that one for, for everybody right now. So much interest in, in Jabby Lonson at the moment and what he's doing. A lot of interest in, from here in Spain. Um, talking to a lot of people at Real Sociedad, his old club last week, who are all very excited about what he's doing. A lot of people around Madrid might be why I think about him as a future manager as well. Uh, so, yeah, he's the man at the moment, for sure. Yeah, well, and you were talking to Rafa Benitez about him, weren't you? Yeah. You know, the, tell us what Rafa had to say. I'm very interested in that. Yeah, uh, Rafa and Javi, you know, got to know each other quite well. Um, and it went well for them for a while until it didn't, I guess, at at Liverpool. Uh, Rafa was very polite, very was was very friendly. It was really nice to, to chat to him. He's a gentleman, Rafa, and he he spoke really well for about forty five minutes. He didn't want to get into too much about the old days with with Javi as a player, but he has been watching him a lot at, at Leverkusen and is very impressed with with what he's been doing. You can see he'd been he'd been following it very closely. Yeah, he didn't get into whether he thinks Javi should be the next Liverpool manager, but it was maybe the most interesting thing that that Rafa had to say was that he shouldn't really look for who's, you know, the flash in the pan, who's the most kind of trendy guy at the minute, who everybody's talking about in the media, or he mentioned social media a few times. He said there's a, a lot of managers out there and clubs shouldn't just be kind of guided by what's what's hot at the moment, which was kind of interesting for him to say. He's still kind of, he still believes he's one of the top managers around. I don't, he's making I a he case knows, for himself. He is making a case for himself. You know what? I think he knows that he's not going to be re- recalled this this time to be the Liverpool manager, but he was making a case for for the older school managers, uh, I guess. Um, it was it's kind of interesting. I talked to him about you know because he was that guy. You know, twenty years ago when he moved to to Liverpool first from Valencia, he was the the hot guy. He just won two La Liga titles at Valencia, and everybody was talking about him. And he said it can be difficult to know whether to make that jump or not. You know, you're in a good situation where you are. You kind of have control of things, maybe where you are. You're a big fish in a smaller pond as as Rafa was at Valencia. And when you decide to go to Liverpool, if you're Xabi Alonso now, it's a, it's obviously an attractive job. He might want to be there at some stage or not. But Rafa couldn't really say for sure whether now is the right time. You could see kind of the the pluses of staying maybe another year in Germany where Xabi Alonso is doing so well at the minute at Liverpool, but also how attractive it would be to uh, to move to Anfield. And I asked him, you know, if you give him any advice or whatever, and he said that, you know, Xabi's a big guy. He's well able to make up his own mind about this and he'll he'll do what's best for himself. Do you know, the thing is, he's still in his dreams. Rafa wants to be Liverpool manager. You know when they got offered the Real Madrid job? I was I was in the pub and my phone goes. I'm like, oh, Rafa Benitez. And he said, look, before I take this job, he goes, uh, is there any chance of me getting to Liverpool this summer? You know, will Brendan Rodgers get sacked? I'm like, no, he won't get sacked. And like, don't take the Real Madrid job. But he did anyway. But, uh, you know, um, the pair had to fall on out, uh, Benitez and Alonso. Uh, like, and, and, and Xavi went from being like the favourite son to being a complete outcast overnight. And um, it was a really strange situation. But then, uh, uh, by all accounts, they've, um, they've kind of become friendly again. Did he mention anything about that? Like he said, they still have a great relationship. He said, well, a good relationship. He said he, he said that it's not like they're in touch. He's not, they're not texting each other all the time, for sure. Rafa has a lot of, a lot of ex-players and he's a lot of ups and downs, I guess, over the years. When I was asking him about that time, kind of between the lines about when Alonso left, uh, he he kind of said it was financial reality at the time that Liverpool weren't as, 
you know, as financially strong as they are now, that he always had to wheel and deal when, when he was at the club. He had the problems with, with Hicks and Gillette, and he was always, you know, he didn't use the word fighting, but I used the word fighting with them all the time over budgets. And he, he just said he had to kind of get some out to get some in. They had a really good offer from, from Real Madrid. And Alonso himself thought it was a very good offer for him to go back to Spain and to, to, to join Real Madrid. And he thought that, you know, Gareth Barry could do a job for the team in, in different positions and was a very good player as well. And it, it just kind of made sense for Liverpool or for Rafa anyway at, at that time to, to get the deal done. Yeah, Andy and Kiva, you were probably too young at the time to remember the the shock and horror it was when he, he let, you know, Xabi go and you're like, yeah, you know, why are we letting a player like this for Gareth Barry, which never happened, but you know, it's, um, it, it, it was a remarkable time, but I mean, it's strange to hear Rafa talking about him now, Kiva, you know, it's, um, uh, and you, you could say we've moved a whole generation of managers on from that, haven't we? It's, it seems to me such a short time. Yeah, I mean, when you mention it there, I do think back and I had no clue what was going on at the time. Probably like yourself, Andy, where you're just kind of like watching the team and enjoying the football and supporting them and not really like, you know, you, you sort of evolve as a fan, don't you, from being a kid, just like watching it, not really understanding what's going on to then now where obviously, you know, you can understand everything. I feel like I'm on the other side of it almost now. Um all of it but yeah it's it is interesting that that all happened and you know when you're a kid you're watching it and just thinking yeah he's gone because obviously it's Real Madrid and that's what happens but if there's a chance Liverpool could have kept him then my god why the hell didn't he do that the other thing Andy is like um the, the one thing about Alonso he's worked with so many great managers and wherever you think of Rafa and I actually have a lot of time from you know I think he, I think he is I think he's still got a lot to offer not as a Liverpool manager but um you know you look at the credentials very few players have worked under so many good great managers exactly and I think that's that's one of the big appeals with them is that you can imagine the amount of you know of information of of different systems different tactics, different identities, different game states, everything. You know, he will have gone through that so meticulously with so many of those managers. Rafa's one of them. I mean, everyone always talked about the defensive side of, uh, you know, Rafa's sides, how how brilliant they were, you know, how solid they always were. And, you know, and, and then you, you couple that with Pep Guardiola's ideas and, you know, on the ball. And when you, when you mesh it all together... You're probably you're coming up with a pretty good formula of how to win football games, and um, it looks like Alonso's on the way to of um, you know mixing that formula together and and uh, and it paying off. That fits with what Rafa was saying. Like he has he has watched his Leverkusen team play for sure and had, had ideas about it. That he said that Alonso was very intelligent, which I guess we can all we can all agree on. And he has picked up things from the different managers uh, as he went along, and he had been able to when he came in first. You know the team needed to stabilize you know they came Alonso went in and Leverkusen were in danger of relegation you have to you know start from the back get that right first and then move forward and he Rafa identified a real change from last season to this season and in how they played football a real kind of evolution or progressive evolution in how they play but again Rafa was very clear about how you know there's nothing that new in football that it's not about reinventing the wheel that what wins titles especially is you know a solid team with a solid defense that attacks well and defends well and if you don't have have both of those at the same time, then you're not going to win very much. And he thinks, reading between the lines anyway, he seemed pretty sure that Alonso is well capable of doing both of those. Alonso, from here in Madrid, you know, learned a lot under Jose Mourinho as well, who, you know, not Rafa's best friend, <laughs> it's fair to say, or maybe Liverpool's best friend in the past. But Alonso, when he was here at Madrid, was, 
you know, some of the Madrid players, Iker Casillas, Sergio Ramos, even Cristiano Ronaldo, didn't have a great relationship with Mourinho by the end. But Alonso was one of his soldiers, him and Arbeloa, also like familiar to, to yourselves, it, where, you know, we'll follow the boss, we'll do what he says. And, you know, getting stuck in against Barcelona, you know, the, the dark side, side of the game, they weren't afraid to do that. And Alonso has that. He's such a nice guy. You know, he's so, he's so cool. He looks great in his suit and all, all that. But he also has a, a steely side to him as well, or a, a very, um, I was going to say cynical, it's not the right word, but uh, he, he's a winner. Like he, he wants to do what it takes to, to win games. So if, you know, that's why Liverpool want him, I guess. That's why Bayern Munich talking about it now. If Ancelotti wasn't going great at Real Madrid, or if, if Ancelotti things don't go great for Ancelotti in the next couple of months, who knows, who knows what happens? Alonso's in a, he's in a pretty enviable position at the minute. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I know you've got to go, but just a quick question. You know, talking of the evil empire, is there any chance they'll gazump us and get into Alonso before? Because, you know, we know how ruthless Real Madrid are, and um, we know that Ancelotti is oh, considerably older. Would they think, you know, oh, you know, Carlo, get on your way into retirement, and, um, and you know, we'll take the next up-and-coming manager? Yeah, like Ancelotti, things have gone really well for him so far this season I think they've only lost one game in all competitions to beat Barcelona hammer Barcelona to win the, the Spanish Super Cup in January and they're progressing nicely in the Champions League they're well clear at the top of La Liga so everything is set up and sure he signed a new contract as well he had that dalliance with Brazil managed to get a new Real Madrid contract out of that which you know as Carlo being uh, as Carlo does um, so everything looks well and looks doesn't look like Madrid are going to need a new manager for the next while anyway but this is Real Madrid so say things were to go badly in the, the Champions League they drew game at Rayo Vallecano at the weekend if they were to blow the La Liga title if they were to not to win the Champions League then maybe Madrid would be looking for for another manager things can change around very quickly and yeah ruthlessness is you know Florentino Perez is about as ruthless as it gets in a in a club president and Alonso you know he started off his coaching career in Madrid's youth system when he finished playing he had a couple of years to training under 14s I think at at Real Madrid so he's kept that kind of connection alive so um I wouldn't rule it out but as it look as it is Ancelotti is safe he's under contract and it would be more likely you'd think that if Alonso was looking if he wanted Madrid to be his next club that he might stay another year at Leverkusen and see how things progress that way well thanks Dermot that's brilliant and we'll be doing I'm sure weekly um, Alonso updates and we'll have you back anytime because you're brilliant and and I think I think that makes it clear to us that we're all supporting Real Madrid against our better judgments <laughs> in the Champions League cheers Tony cheers guys talk to you again We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot. Probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
You're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Wednesday night, Kiva. Luton. You've seen a lot of them, haven't you? It is what strikes me about them. They look as if they're going to be a better team than they are. They look as if they're going to take points when they don't. They've got plenty going for them, but not quite enough. Is that a fair assessment? I feel like at the start of the season, like everyone, I was kind of like, I hadn't really watched much of Luton at all. And then I was like, slowly but surely, you think they lost the first four games. I was kind of like, yeah, they could just, you know, go straight back down. But they were just showing so much like passion, heart, everything, giving their all. And it just felt like something started to build, like they started to understand the pace of the Premier League and Rob Edwards got his side playing the way he wants them to. And it feels like it was sort of that week um, of the Arsenal Man City games back to back where they almost proved themselves. And that came after obviously the 1-1 draw with Liverpool, a game, you know, they, they nearly won had it not been for Lewis Diaz's late heroics and what was an emotional week for him. So it just feels like they built on every performance. I think beating Everton at Goodison Park was such a, a key thing for them. Then they did that again in the FA Cup with pretty much the last kick of the game. And, you know, it's these little moments over the course of the season that have built up into something special. And you can see the connection between the players, you know, the manager, Rob Edwards, the fans, everything. It just feels like it's coming together and... It would not shock me at all if Luton stay in the Premier League from how they're playing. Like watching them just, you know, absolutely destroy Brighton 4-0 was not what I was expecting. Like the performances are always at a level, but that was just a different gear. But then obviously the next game they lost 3-1 to Sheffield United and it was kind of like, oh, okay, they lost yesterday against Man United. But again, it was like so many positives from the performance. A lot of the time the momentum was with Luton. And I think, you know, that's they're the positives that they'll take into this Liverpool game, knowing that the... They don't tend to lose by big margins and I think that'll be the trouble for teams, you know, that they're, they're never really done. But it's just sort of like this energy around them now and they've got so many really good players that they're almost like, you know, with respect, like a, playing like a low-budget Liverpool, you know, they like to press high up the pitch, it, you know, there's that intensity there. Ross Barkley has been an absolute diamond for them. He's like, he looks the best he ever has in his career for me. He just looks like the leader he was always meant to be. He's now found, found that place at Luton. Got players around him like Sambi Laconga, who's on loan from Arsenal. And he's, yeah, he's just playing at the match every single game. He's brilliant in the midfield and Chio Ogbeni with his pace, speed, skill. All over the pitch, there's players that you kind of just like, maybe you wouldn't expect them to like sign for a big club, but they're all kind of just pulling together in the right direction. And that direction feels like it's leaning towards Premier League safety. Could it lean towards winning at Anfield? I'm not quite sure, but... Again, like it wouldn't shock me to see Luton do something crazy and and win a game at Anfield. I, I don't talk them up to the point you scare me. <laughs> Please don't do that to me. You know, it's, um, but uh, I've just you know, been wanting uh, to talk about them for so long, so I'm glad someone's finally <laughs> listening to me. <laughs> well, yeah, and to me, I listen to all that, and what um what 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 I found, what I take away from it is that Luton and Everton appears. Um, no, um, in fact, Luton are better than Everton. Um, that's what I think. No. <laughs> In all seriousness, no, they, they they are, like I say, that every time I've seen them, they've looked as if they could take something away, but haven't quite got there. And the day they do get there, we don't want it to be at Anfield, do we, Andy? I mean, do you think Klopp will, do, do, do you think we'll, he'll rotate? 
Um, I, I, he hasn't got much to rotate with, really, does he? Um, I think we will we'll, we'll, we'll probably really see. Um, I think there'll be a few changes. Like I can imagine, Joe Gomez probably comes back in in one of the fullback spots, which whichever. Um, you know, Simakash maybe if if you know the, if he, if he's ready. But I'm not I'm not entirely sure where, where he's sort of up to. But then you, you so you've got like Quanza probably comes back in maybe. But then you you're beginning to you you you're not got loads, especially if say if Nunes is out, then suddenly you, your front three is pretty much picked for you. Um, unless you want to, you know, you play Elliot a little bit higher up maybe or something like that. But then you've got to think, well, are you playing in the middle of the park? So I don't think there's any sort of and Klopp's been very very forthright on this. There's, there's certainly no thinking ahead to what's me fat, what's me team in the final. Who do I need? Who do I not want to play this one? Who you know that type of thing. So. I think he, as Kiva said, that Luton are a, a you know a, a dangerous team if, if you let and do anger around in games. They, they've got a bit of an aura that I thought bit like Burnley under Dice sort of in the early years used to have, and that um, not necessarily the same style of play, but teams just knew that they were in for a game and they knew the game was never going to rest until you put it to rest. And I think it, he, he wouldn't have been spooked by Burnley who just turned up, but even that that game there, you had. Burnley could equalise and make it 2-2 on about 66 and, and suddenly it's a different game and, and while Liverpool run out comfortable winners in the end there's still that that bit of you know it wasn't a, it wasn't the easiest game um, so I think that, that'll play into it and uh, you know as we said so to come back to the rotation I don't think there's much he can do if if there's someone carrying a little bit of a knock then you know he's, he's probably not going to take the risk but I think you've just got to go as strong as you can at this point and, and hope that Liverpool can be in a position where they where they win the game on a, on sixty or seventy and put it to bed, so that that's when you can you can get some rest into players by bringing them off rather than not starting them and then having to you know call on them to, to come and save you. Part of me thinks that Luton might be more awkward than Chelsea in at Wembley. I mean, because Chelsea are fairly wide open as we saw against City, and the sort of team that Liverpool should thrive against. I mean, you know, in the in the in the game at Anfield last last month, this month. Sometime, anyway, <laughs> recently, you know, it's um, uh, you know, we just destroyed them. And um, do you think there's any validity in that? Is that am I just speaking nonsense again? No, I, th- I think I think your point's right, and then I think you know Chelsea's game plan will be different to what Luton's game plan will be. And to say Luton won't be trying to win the game is wrong. But if you see what I mean, and that Chelsea will be trying to attack for minute one, like you would think. Whereas, although they have put a decent backs backs of the wall job against City recently, so, um, but whereas Luton will, you I mean, be managing the game and picking the moments and, and not, and you know, there'll, there'll be ten minutes where they're not that fussed about having an attack, but then when the moment comes, that's when they'll try and attack. That they'll try and attack. So there'll be different games, you would think, and yet it's likely to be awkward. I mean, Liverpool couldn't until the ninety fourth minute break down Luton's defence earlier in the season, and I know a lot's changed since then, but that was. You know, they had all the attacking players on the pitch then, and Sobersly and Gravenberg as the two number eight. You would say the most, the two most creative, and they couldn't find a way through. I know Darwin Nunes does miss me yard, but there we go. Um, but you know, so it's it's it, there's those types of things, isn't it? You know, you know, Luton are going to put up a re- resolute performance and pick the moments, and it's it's not going to be easy. You, you hope that Liverpool make it easy by doing what Arsenal did to Burnley and getting the early goal and, and hopefully then going on from there. But yeah, it's it, it's it, two different games. I think I think you're right. Um, but both difficult in, in their own ways because I think Chelsea are just unpredictable. So they could be as bad as they were when we beat them 
couple of weeks ago, or they could turn in a performance like they did against Man City and 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 make it really really difficult. So you just you just don't know with Chelsea where is Luton. I think you know what you're going to get largely. It's just how effective they can be in their game plan, and how effective you can be against them. How important is it they win on Sunday, the first trophy for this new version of Klopp's team? And the last <laughs> the, version, Liverpool two points out. Yeah, um, I think it is. It's, I mean, it's always it always feels important to get that first trophy. I think because one, you don't want it to become a thing. Where I mean, Klopp had it when he came to Liverpool for a bit as well. Is that? He kept being a finalist, but not a winner, because he obviously comes to Liverpool two finals, uh, League Cup, Europa League, lose both of them, and then lose in the Champions League final, and suddenly it becomes a bit of a thing. And it's like, when are they going to win something? When are they going to win something? And then when you do it, it almost feels like the pressure's off then, in a sense, and you've done it now. Now you know how to do it, and I think that's why it, it, it feels quite important that Liverpool or this new version of Liverpool do that as well to, to get that first one under the belt, and then. Um, it gives everyone the confidence of knowing how to do it, being there, you know, they'll enjoy the celebrations. That helps because they'll want that again as well. So I think that sort of first trophy for any sort of team is, is always really important because you go from being very good to being winners. And I think that makes a big difference in terms of mentality. And, and you hope as well that the first one then brings the confidence to go on and win to the th- the second one, the third one, and hopefully the fourth one by the end of May. But um, who knows? Can it please not be nil nil? <laughs> well, I don't mind. I don't mind if it's nil nil as long as like it goes to a ma- math- marathon penalty shootout and the goalkeeper wit scores the winner. That suit me. I mean, right. well, well, no. Let's face it. A nil nil like the one a couple of years ago would be good. But. When, what I was about to say is, whenever I see that Liverpool 2.0, I think Liverpool 2-0, that'd be better. That'd <laughs> be, be much nice, better. Yeah. You know, while while I enjoyed the jeopardy of that, Kiva, of that cup final a couple of years ago and going on for days, you know, in the penalty shootout, you know, it was a, I think it was a 16-hour penalty shootout, if I remember rightly. Um, you know, it'd be nice to see a game killed yeah, wouldn't it be nice if it was like that? One of my favourite ever Liverpool games at Wembley was that Man City, Sadio Mane, just that first half when everyone at half time was just didn't know what to do with themselves. It was like everyone was just kind of laughing, like, is this real? Is this happening? She went into that game with so much pressure. Oh my God, it's FA Cup semi final. And Liverpool just, I mean, they kind of clung on at the end as well, didn't they, in the end? But, it is, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd like a performance well, yeah, yeah. like that. What, what, what we'd like. What, yeah, what we'd really like, kill the game in the first 10 minutes and no clinging on. You know, I, you know what I'd like? I'd like to be bored senseless by it in the sense of I don't want any attractive football. I don't want to be entertained. I want Liverpool to score three, close the game down and just stop. Stop all these all, all the, the, these people who want entertainment, make them miserable, make the, the massive television audience go, this is boring, and turn it off. I want Liverpool to bore people to death and win trophies. That's what I want. So that's it from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. James will be back with At The Match after Sunday's final at Wembley. And we'll also have a special preview pod dropping at the end of the week too. The rest of the gang will be back next week and hopefully with a cup win to get stuck into. Thanks to Kiva and Andy and up the Reds. The Athletic.